Welcome back to our interview today. We have Sonny Couverette with us. Now, I actually have known Sonny for several years. I've worked with him on many projects. In fact, Sonny has been instrumental in many of the things that I have put together. You know, I've used him as an advisor on many of my teams. Uh, I've also partnered with him on uh, on several projects. And, and so it's a great privilege to have him on the show today. But Sonny's real passion is in leadership. In fact, what we're going to be talking about a lot on the show today is uh, his uh, pathway to developing self-leadership, which is his business, and it's really his unique approach. And, and uh, Sonny, when we get into this, I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to share uh, some of your background. I know that you've got uh, extensive experience in restaurant, and uh, you've done quite a bit in uh, in car sales. In fact, I, I believe that uh, one of the dealerships you're working with is uh, ranked number two in the Western United States for uh, car sales. So, I mean, pretty, pretty impressive track record that has led you to develop uh, kind of a process, a leadership process that's changed the game. Uh, you know, we, we, when we think about restaurant and car dealerships, they have these stereotypes that almost kill any culture because they're so ingrained. It's like people get stuck in these trenches and don't move forward. And uh, you're going to talk to us about how to break through. And I mean, if you can do it in some tough industries, then we can do it in any industry. And so with that, Sonny, would you take a second and kind of uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Absolutely. Thank you very much. I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show with you today. Um, and thank you for that introduction. I, I have to throw out there that, yes, we go way back. And um, I have enjoyed working with you as, as much as I'm sure you've enjoyed working with me and I've learned probably more from you than you've learned from me. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> Debatable, um, but uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so my, a little bit about me, I um, come from the food industry. That's where most of my background has been spent over a decade there. Um, no traditional education uh, of any kind. I'm, I'm self-taught with most everything. Um, and through my experiences that I've had, uh, and the opportunities that I have been given in the food industry and now in the auto industry, I have put together, you know, what I, what I think is the evolution of future leadership, um, in any industry, not mm -hmm. just the two industries specifically that we're going to touch on today, but I think in, in any industry, because it's an area that, it's an area that I think a lot of businesses struggle in. And so that's, that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to talk about and address today. Now, I kind of want to jump in. Uh, we're going to, we're going to go back to the roots here. So the very first project that you and I had the opportunity to work on, uh, it was, uh, it was doing, uh, it, it was for a marketing company. We were putting together some advertisement space and we were selling some advertisement space. And I remember that I was working with you on this project and it was interesting because, uh, you know, me, me owning the company, I, uh, I hired two commission salespeople and, uh, they, they came to me with, with background and experience in sales, uh, you know, kind of talked a big game. They were ready to just go out, tear it up, make it happen. And, uh, the thing that really 
stood out to me was you not pushing sales outperformed both of those salespeople combined. And, and, and it started getting me to think a little bit differently about uh, my approach to sales. You know, I, I was going with the traditional hire the uh, commission salesperson, get someone who's driven, who's motivated, who just goes out and, you know, pounds the pavement, makes it happen. And I remember that your approach, it was, it was, it was a, not a sales approach at all. It, it was very much just getting in there and, you know, understanding the business, working with the business. And, and like I said, you outperformed both of those salespeople together. Uh, it really, really kind of caught my attention. And so let, let's start there if we can. You're, you're not a salesperson and you're killing it in sales. So correct. So what's, what's going so on here? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So the interesting thing about sales is I, in, in all of my experience, I'm 100% convinced that 99% of selling being, being able to sell something to somebody mm-hmm. is first and foremost relational based. So you've got to be able to create a relationship, right? You've got to be yeah. able to build rapport quickly with somebody. And then secondly, understanding what it is that they need, right? Mm-hmm. Because w- when you're selling something, whether it's a need, a want, um, like regardless of what it is that you are specifically selling, there's, you're selling, you're essentially selling something that will create a solution for a need that they have or a, something that they want fixed that's not working for them. And so when selling, right, my approach has always been that, no, I'm not a salesman. I, I don't, uh, I don't approach anything like a traditional sales mm-hmm individual would or sales professional would, I approach it in, I want to know the person. I want to get to know the person. I want to build rapport. I want to have, you know, that relationship with them. And then I want to understand what it is they're trying to achieve or what they're trying to accomplish. Because when I understand those two things, I can put anything together. I can make any deal happen. I can, I mean, at that point, it's very easy to put the puzzle together per se, right. Mm -hmm. To, to create the outcome that they want. And so that's always been my approach. And as I, you know, as I've gotten, as I've taken my experience from running restaurants, you know, running, running kitchens and running front of the house staff and operating, you know, every level of restaurants and transitioning that into, you know, now the auto industry and, and taking the knowledge and, and basis of selling in the auto industry. And I, and I marry all that together with the training, you know, with the training that I have put myself through and received in uh, some very strategic, some very strategic things that we'll touch on as we get into this, that, that have really accelerated and opened my mind mm-hmm. to possibilities has led me to now self-leadership, right? This, this idea and this concept that when, when approached and done properly will literally transform your business and your life. Like it will, it will not just transform you professionally. It will transform you in every aspect of your life because it, it changes the way you look at everything. Now, okay. Okay. A lot of people, they make big claims. 
and yep. uh, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, I'm going to make Please. you. I'm going to make you back it up a little bit <laughs> because <laughs> here's the problem. As, as soon as you start saying, it's like, oh, this program will transform, you know. And I like in my mind, I'm, I'm picturing like P90X or uh, you know, I, I, like like I, I you remember that ab flex that, uh, yes. that, that <laughs> like like you, you start to have some of these things that. Uh, they kind of kick off in your mind. Uh, but with you, so th- this is one thing that really just kind of blew me out of the water. So first off, I remember the day that you reached out to me and you're just like, Hey, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm actually the, uh, you know, the, the, the sales manager over the, uh, Porsche Audi dealership. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I thought you were a culinary specialist. And, and that was the thought that kind of went through my mind. And then I remember like a couple months later where you're like, yeah, uh, we've completely reinvented the culture here at our place. And then a couple of years later, when you're telling me, you're like, uh, we're the number two dealership in, you know, the Western United States in, in you know, for, uh, you know, Porsche Audi. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, I guess you backed up what, you know, what you were putting out there, you, you backed it up. And so I want to, I, I want to delve into that a little bit. The, 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 the car dealership industry is full of salespeople, salespeople who know what they're doing. I mean, this is where a lot of professionals go and you change that culture and got, huge results in, in changing that culture. Uh, you know, I mean, your, your sales growth, I, I, I believe you're what up about 140% uh, year over year right now. And it's and- actually, it's actually, I'm going to correct you on that. Cause this is, this is a big deal and it's super cool. We're actually up 174%. Oh, I, I'm sorry for understanding, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and so I'm looking at this and I'm just like, okay, in an industry that's ingrained in its sales techniques and, you know, and you're taking a new approach, uh, you know, what, what, what is some of that? I mean, you talked about the relationship, but everyone thinks they're like, oh yeah, you know, someone comes on the lot and you, you know, you make sure that you understand who they are and find out what they want to drive. It's deeper than that. Like there, there, there's some magic that's happening there. That's more than just getting to know their name and making eye contact and be sure and smile. Correct. It's, it's much deeper than that. So yeah, let's, let's dive into that. So the reality is that I, when I stepped in to the role that I'm in, um, and I was, and the, the sales departments for Porsche and Audi were turned over to me there, there was some things that I understood. And, and mind you, I had only been in the auto industry when I took over these two sales floors, I had only been in the industry, uh, just, just shy of two years. Right. So it, you know, and I, and I had zero experience in the auto industry prior to this. <laughs> right. right. Like I had spent my time in the restaurant world. Like that's where hospitality was my life prior to this. Now, now you should uh, clarify that 
at hospitality, we're not talking, I mean, yes, you, you've done all levels, you know, waiting tables and, you know, back of the house and, and different things like that. But you did spend extensive amounts of time managing restaurants, uh, you know, at the, at the GM and the DM level, making Absolutely. sure, you know, so, so when you say you did have restaurant experience, we're not talking that someone went from waiting tables to all of a sudden managing, you know, two sales floors of a, of a high-end dealership. Like there, there was management that, that crossed over, but still it's, it's different. It's very different. It's very different. And, and the managing, you know, the management side of it um, is very, is very transferable and applicable in, in any industry, right? Like it's this idea of managing people and managing processes, but more importantly, the switching industries, right? Going from the hospitality world to the auto industry was a substantial shift mentally because it runs so differently, right? Like the idea of process and how it operates is like any other business, right? Like we're in business to generate net profit. Like that's, that's what every sure. business is in business to do. Sure. And, but the, the steps in which you take to get there are so different than what you see in a restaurant per se, right. Where my, where most of my experience was. And so, you know, as I stepped into this, um, one of the things that, one of the things that really stood out to me that was very, very different than what I had ever seen is, you know, in the hospitality world, it's all about people. It's all about the people because you don't have, you know, you, you don't have a, a successful restaurant without a staff, right? Mm -hmm. you, you can't run a, you can't run an entire restaurant by yourself and, and do it successfully. And without the staff, you don't have customers because customers, you know, will get tired of waiting endless hours to, you know, get a meal or mm -hmm. be serviced to the level that they want. So the understanding in the hospitality industry of the, the team and the customers is very different than it is in the auto industry and the, the approach is very different as well. And so when I stepped in, you know, one of the things that stood out to me was, was that idea that we have, we put a lot of emphasis on, you know, every business I think tries to put a lot of emphasis on this idea of, you know, culture and people. But in order to do that, you have to understand as the leader, what your, what your controllables are in building that and doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's an area that really, that's an area that I understood very well because of the type of cultures that I built in the food industry and the types of teams that I built in the food industry, because I, I put way more emphasis for me, the emphasis starts on building the team and the culture. And through doing that, you attract more and better quality customers that you're looking for. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so it was, it was very interesting. And so when I, when I stepped in, I, you know, I started analyzing everything. I was looking at everything and I thought to myself, okay, we need a different culture and it starts with me, right? It, the, everything, everything below, below me starts with me, my mindset, my approach, um, my external view of 
what reality is right? mm-hmm. and, and what it, what it's going to be for the dealerships coupled with a very strong vision of what we're trying to accomplish, what we want, the, 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 what we're going after that thing, you know, that, that almost, you know, scary goal that you're like, man, I, they, I, I don't know if this is even possible, but it's so big that why not try, right? Like it's, we just got to go after it. Well, that was my mindset then. So I started, I started going through and I focused, I, I narrowed everything down. I, I laid everything out and I said, okay, what, what can I control here? And first and foremost, I can control myself. So I've got to get, I've got to get really, really solid on my vision, my, you know, my focus, what, what it is that I want. And then I also wrote down, and these are some, these are a couple key things that are extremely crucial for every single leader. I wrote out the 25 attributes that I wanted in my salespeople. Oh, wow. And now, now as, why, why 25? Because it's, well, you can do as many as you want. 25 is just the minimum that I've done. I've done anywhere from 25 to 50 okay. uh, attributes, depending on what it is that I'm, that I'm designing. But I, and, I and you're talking stuff design, like loyalty, passion, drive, yes, uh, sense of any, humor, any, any attribute you want, you want this individual to have, you can design it okay. and, and you design it by, by writing, like you write this out. And as, as you focus on it, cause I have this, I have this saying that you'll hear me say often as, as we talk and, and I look forward to actually doing more podcasts with you. Cause I think this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I can, this is really good information to get out to people. But one of the things that I say often is, you know, energy flows where focus goes. And so when you're focusing on something very specific, you attract energy to that. Mm-hmm. And when you're focused on positive attributes that you want, say in your sales team and you, you design, you've designed it, you write out what it is these people need to have. It's amazing that they start to show up. Those people start to show up in your life. And that is exactly, I, I did that with my sales team. I did that with my managers. I had separate attributes, attribute lists for my managers, my sales teams. And as I focused on those, the people that fall into what I was looking for, if they were on my team already stayed, those that did not moved themselves out with that. Like it, I didn't move them out. They moved on their own and new people came in to play that fell in line with what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. It was, it was one of the most unique experiences I've ever had. Um, and I, I kind of did that in the, in the food industry, but I didn't, I didn't have as much of an understanding then as I did in the auto industry because it, it put me, I was in a position where I had to make, I had to make dramatic change quickly mm-hmm. because I took over, you know, I, I took over a, I took over two sales departments that were roughly doing three to 300,000 to 450,000 on a really good month. Um, 
in sales gross mm-hmm. and our net, I mean, our, our net profit was what, 25 to 50,000 if we were lucky on, mm-hmm. on, on a good month. And, you know, we were totally off for the target that the corporate had set out for what these two stores should be producing. And so I had, you know, I, I had some, I had some, some changes that needed to happen, but I, w- I was trying to accomplish it without, I, I wanted to accomplish it without firing people, right? Like my goal was not to go in and fire people and change an entire team. Right. The clean up culture. Under- yeah. But I also understood that I had to, I had to focus, I had to focus on what I, what we needed and what the team needed to be to go where we are today and where we're continuing to go. Uh-huh. And so as I focused on that, you know, my sales team and my sales management staff, those that were on board stayed and are still on my team. Those that were not moved on and new people came in that, fit what we were looking for. And today I currently have, I I would say I have one of the strongest sales teams and strongest management teams that I've probably ever worked with. Wow. That's so um, not only is that impressive, but there's one thing that you talked about and I want to, I want to hone in on this for just a second because I've seen a lot of people that they, they attempt something, they don't put in all the key ingredients, it doesn't turn out, and there's like, oh, well, that didn't work. You know, like, well, that, that guy was just talking about positive thinking, and you know, I've done positive thinking before, and that doesn't work. You know, one of the things that you pointed out is in the restaurant industry, you're like, I, I was using these principles, but I wasn't quite ready for that. And I know we're in a podcast episode, and so you're like summarizing, like there's there's a lot that goes into this, you know. And and so I'm I'm listening to this and and I'm hearing you give this this summation. But the key thing that really stood out to me was when you did it in the restaurant industry, you weren't quite there. You saw some results, but yes. not not the amazing results that you're capable of today. And, you know. And, and, and it's this whole, this whole process, this, this whole thing, you know, and I, and, and I, I look at, you know, speaking of food industry, you know, the difference between a master chef and just someone who cooks is subtle. It's, you know, Very. <laughs> the, the, the main ingredients are all the same, the subtle ingredients, you know, how to, how to put the spice in when to add a certain ingredient, you know, at, at what point is everything just right? And, and, and it's all these subtle differences that are, you know, making the difference. And, and so that's what I feel like you're talking about here is you're talking about those subtle differences. It's like, look, yes, getting, we hear all the time, get the right people and the right seats on the right bus, you know, but I, I can't tell you how many organizations that I work with that I'm like, you got the wrong people. I had an organization once they brought me in. Uh, they had heard of what I had done. So they kind of sought me out. They're like, hey, uh, I keep hearing your name. Apparently, you've done some good things for some businesses. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I appreciate the compliment. Uh, what can I do for you? <laughs> and, the, you know, they're like, we're we're on the verge of something and I need some help. And so I go in and I talk with the owner and I just tell him, I'm like, hey, uh, by the way, you got the wrong management team in place. One of those people happened to be his brother. And... Uh, 
he wasn't going to get rid of his brother and he never asked me to come back. And I'm just like, that's fine. You know, you're not ready to really get those right people. But as you're talking about those attributes, like his brother was kind of along for the ride. He lacked attributes that, that this company, you know, he didn't have anywhere close to the drive and the passion as the owner. He was just sort of there by blood relationship. And, you know, it's just, just not the same. No, it's, it's not. And the, the interesting thing, the interesting thing that I've, that I've learned. So, as I was doing this, right, I, I started to see results and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this, there's, there's, there's more to this. There's more here that even then I wasn't aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm like, I've got to, I've got to figure, I've got to figure this out. So I started reading a lot of books, um, on, you know, mindset and, you know, what your, you know, the, the various, the various areas of your mind and how, how that all plays into the human body. And, and that's when, that's when things really started to get super interesting and, and what I've been able to do through that and accelerate the results. So as I, as I was going through this journey, right, I, I just searching things out and I was doing a lot of research, lots of reading. And I came across um, I came across this concept of neuro-linguistic programming okay. and it was very foreign to me. I, I, I've always known, I've always been a really positive person and that's never been a, that's never been a struggle for me. That's a struggle for a lot of people, um, mm -hmm. which is not, you know, that's, that's not uncommon at all to, to be, you know, question, question yourself or, you know, question, are, are you making the right choice or, you know, is, is this is this really a good thing for me? Or when you're in a situation like staying positive through it and focusing on, you know, the things that you can focus on and mm -hmm. that will actually yield you the results you want, not a, not a result you don't want. And so as I started digging into this concept, um, there's some key, there's some key things that I came across and one of those, so I'm going to run down a few things that I, I teach on, when I'm working with, with individuals or with businesses, because it's what I've taught to my team. Now this is in your self-leadership program. This is part, yes, these are, these are some key things in the self leader in my self-leadership program that are very, very game changer. And, and the first one, the first one is this idea of perception is projection. Okay. Okay. And so as we, as we talk about that, like as, as you think about that, you know, some people are like, well, yeah, you know, if I, if I think about, you know, if I think about a, a pink elephant, you know, I'm naturally going to see that in my mind, right? Like I'm going to see a pink elephant because that's mm -hmm. what I'm thinking about. Well, the idea of perception is projection goes so much further than that because it, it's really what, um, what plays on the stage of your mind is a, it's, it's the sign of coming attraction. So what you focus on and what you think about projects itself in to your life. Like it becomes your external reality. So uh, to put this into context, if, um, I was having a conversation with my brother probably two months ago mm -hmm. and he was telling me that he lives in Oregon and he, he lives in Eugene, Oregon, and he travels from Eugene to, his medical school, uh, which is, it's somewhere on like the, I think it's the North side of Eugene and it's roughly a 30 minute drive or so. Okay. And he's telling me about his commute that he goes on. And 
he's telling me the story about how there's this road that he takes to go to school every day. And he's traveled this road now for, you know, he's on his fourth year of medical school. So for four years, he's been traveling this same exact path every day, twice a day to and from school. And Mm -hmm. there about a dozen times he's gotten a flat tire in the same spot on the road, the same section of road. He's got a flat tire (laughs) and he's telling me the story. And I, I found myself drawn to this idea. Like it stood out to me so much that I I stopped him in the middle of the story. And I'm like, hold on a second, Sky, you you gotta, you gotta give me some context here. I'm like, you're, you're saying the same section of road, you keep getting the same flat tire. And he's like, yes. And I'm like, well, why do you think that is? And he's like, I have no idea. And I'm like, well, can I, can I share a, can I share a theory with you? And he's like, well, sure. And I said, okay, so, every time the first time it happened, what was going on? And he's like, well, I was headed to school and I had a test. Uh, I had a test that day and I got a flat tire in my way. And I said, well, did you miss your test? He's like, no, I was just late, but it was, it made me really frustrated. And he was like, I I was kind of mad about it. Like I was mad. There was, you know, there was some anger and frustration. And I said, okay. I said, so after that, when you, you went to school, took your test that day, and then you drove home, I said, what happened on your drive home? And he's like, well, I came around the corner onto this stretch of road where I got the flat tire and it immediately brought back the memories from the morning. And it, it made me irritated and angry again. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And so then I let him finish the story. And I said, so now, you know, because this has been going on for the last, you know, six months or so prior to our conversation. I said, okay. So I said, your most recent drive, I said, what happened when you, um, what happened when you, when you drove through that spot of road? He's like, well, I, it, I, th- I thought about that first time that I got the flat tire. And I said, so does it happen every time you drive by there? Like do you get a flat tire every time you drive there. No, he's like, it's only, it's only the times. And he said this verbatim, He's like, it's only the times when I'm not focused on something else and I'm thinking about it. I swear I get a flat tire every time I'm thinking about it and I drive through there. And I'm like, Sky, I, I'm like, stop right there. I'm like, do you realize that you keep getting a flat tire because you're so focused on the fact that you got a flat tire one time in this section of road that you focus on it every time you drive through there and you attract whatever it is that causes you to get a flat tire, whether it's a nail, whether it's a pothole in the road, like whatever it is, you're attracting that into your life. And so Mm -hmm. I gave him some strategies to focus on other things when he's driving through that section of road and he has yet to get another flat tire in two months. And for six months, it's consistently happening. Like once a week, he'd get a flat tire through this section of road. And so that's this idea of perception is projection. When you focus on something, you know, energy, energy flows where focus goes. When you are focused on something so intently like that, it will manifest itself into your life in some form or fashion. And in his, it was in the form of a flat tire because that was the initial event that stemmed this consistent pattern that started taking place. And he sees it now and it's, it's very interesting. And so that's, 
that's a key, that's a key concept that I teach a lot of because oftentimes, you know, when we talk about culture in an industry or, or in a business, right, it's, it's one of these ideas that I want, I want a specific culture, but am I focused? Am I so intently focused on creating that culture that I attract those things? Or is it this idea that uh, I need to get a better culture, but I'll get around to it, right? Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll get to it when I have time or, you know, I I'll think about it now, but then I don't think about it for three weeks or four weeks. Like I'm talking, you've got to, you've got to think about it all the time, which is why there's power in, in writing it down, right? Like my, the attribute list, writing those down and then looking at it constantly keeps it at the forefront of your mind, which then you begin to attract those types of individuals, that type of culture, like whatever it is you're trying to accomplish as you write it down and you focus on it, it becomes your reality. It happens. And I have, I have yet to see it not happen when done in that format. And, and that's what I wanted to talk about is see, I guarantee that there are people that are listening to that, that flat tire, flat tire example. And they're just like, really? Like you're willing a nail to just pop up out of the ground. But the thing that is so fascinating, and this is what I love about, you know, when I was talking with you prior to, uh, you know, doing this interview and just, catching up on some of the things that you've done, you've taken this concept and you've pulled it not only out of the uh, car dealership industry, you know, car sales, but you've gone into, you know, another half a dozen industries to test your theories before you ever really went and said, hey, here I am. And in that process, not a single time have you had any of these industries come back and be like, no, 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 this doesn't work. Every time it's like, oh, wow, amazing results, amazing things happening, you know, and it, and so it's it's interesting how when we open ourselves up to something that we're incredulous about that we now can start to see solutions that they were there the whole time but we couldn't see them that you know like our mind we blocked our own vision by just being incredulous and saying ah, it doesn't exist doesn't happen doesn't work for me you know maybe you got lucky maybe whatever there's always an excuse a rationalization always something and, and it's so funny how our brain, you know, we can either put the spotlight on the solution or we can put the blinders on the solution. The solution is there. It's a question of whether we want to allow ourselves to to see that. So I, I think that's absolutely fascinating. Now, we uh, I, I want to make sure that we really get into, um, you know, a lot of the, the key things that, uh, that that you cover in self leadership. I, I I want I want the listeners to feel like, oh my gosh, I've got some cool takeaways. I've got some things that I can work on right now, and and so uh, in in some of the remaining time that we have, would you just maybe give you know what are some what are some action steps? What are some stumbling blocks that people can just throw out of their way? What are things that you know if you were if you were looking at a business and they were trying to grow, they're onto something, but they're just not quite there. What are some things that you're like, look, start doing this. You'll see, you'll see the results, you know, test it, try it, prove it for yourself. What, what are some of those key things that you would recommend? So first, the first one that I'd recommend, um, the first one that I recommend would be that you have to be willing 
uh, another piece to the, the self-leadership, um, you know, a key piece that I, that I teach on uh, some, I actually have some extensive training and teaching that I do on this is uh, it's called the mirror, right? And it's, it's understanding that if you're not getting a result that you want, or if you're onto something, but it's just not quite there and you know, there's something there, but you're not, you're not really sure you're not really sure where to go with it or how you're going to get it from where it is to where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to be able to step back and ask yourself, what, what am I doing? Two things. What am I doing that's stopping this from progressing? And what do I need to learn to make this progress? Mm. Right. Because it, it, and it's this idea of the, of the mirror, right? Like you, you have to, you have to understand and be humble enough to realize that you may not have all the answers. Okay. First and foremost, you may not have all the answers and you might need, you might need to search out additional resources. You might need additional knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, you might need additional people, right? Like there's, there's many things that come into play with that, that I, that I teach on through my training, but most importantly, right. It's, it's understanding that you may not, you may not have all the answers. And then on the flip side of that as well, you might be the problem. (laughs) That's tough right there. That's, that is a concept that is uh, extremely hard for most people to, to swallow because Mm -hmm. it's, it's this idea that I'm, let's, let's say you're a leader in an organization and you're, culture's not where you want it to be. And you're doing, you know, you've got a good interview process. You've got a good, you know, you've got, you've got process and processes in place through interviewing and, you know, um, uh, personality tests. Like there's so many resources out there. You've got all these things in place that help you identify quality candidates that are going to, that are going to fill the need for what you're looking for. But for some reason, the culture just like you hire these people and they're working there, but they're not to the level that you think they should be at. Or you're not quite they're They're not quite to that, that level that you're expecting mm-hmm. that you expected them to be at based on, you know, their interview and their background and, and all these things. And sometimes you have to be able to look in the mirror and ask yourself, you know, what am I doing to cause this? Yeah. And that's that when, when you can, when you can have that conversation with yourself and be completely, completely open and transparent with your faults and not even faults, the areas that you need to improve on, um, it can, it can, it can be transformational, uh, not just, not just for you personally, but massively transformational professionally as well, because you, you start to identify, like, as you identify the areas that you need to improve, it's amazing what happens with your team, because as you get better as a leader, as you get better, your team inherently grows and excels with you because again, you know, energy flows where focus goes when you're focused on developing yourself and making yourself a better boss, a better leader, a better individual, you change those people around you because it's all coupled together, right? This idea of 
perception is projection and energy, uh, energy flows where focus goes and all these things play together. And as you do these things, you change, you change your external reality and the people that understand the people that are on board with this and want to grow and want to get better all, all of a sudden become more prevalent in your life and new people come into your life. And even sometimes old people that, you know, were in your, were in your circle before are no longer in your circle. I've had, I've got friends that, you know, I've been, I had been friends with for years and years and years, and I still care about these people deeply, but we don't really communicate on a regular basis mm-hmm. because they are not on, they're not on board with this, right? Like yeah. they're not, they're not trying to grow themselves and they're not focused on the positive things and mm-hmm. how can we grow? And so that's, that's a big one. The mirror is, is a big one um, that I would say if, if you implement that now, you will see immediate results. Well, and I, uh, I, I was going to ask out of curiosity, have you ever had a, an engagement where as soon as you got to the mirror step, they weren't willing to do it and it ended the engagement for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's a very, because as a leader, right, there's, you've got to be, to be able to look in the mirror, right. To be able to look in the mirror and have this conversation with yourself that I might be the problem Mm -hmm. is that takes a, that takes a huge amount of humility that unfortunately there are many leaders that are unwilling to do that. And I like to, I I like to say that the reality is that if somebody is unwilling to take that step, then they probably already know that they're more of the problem. They're individually more of the problem than they want to admit. Uh And that's why they're not willing to move forward with it right now, because they're not ready. They're not ready to take that on. They're not ready to tackle that, this big idea that, man, I, I, I might be the problem, but the funny thing is that I always throw this out there. Like when I'm training, right. I always ask them like, well, what happens if you're all the problem? Then what, what are your, what, what, what are your, what are your options? What do you do? And they're like, well, <laughs> I, I can, I can fire myself, which that's not going to happen. Okay. So you're not going to fire yourself. So what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to change. I'm like, okay. So the first step is right. Admitting that, okay, I'm, I could be the problem. And if I'm the problem, what do I need to do to change? Like, what, what do I need to do differently? It's not. And the funny thing is, is, you know, ego steps in here, right? Like we, we, we have this, we have this conversation and then all of a sudden it's like, well, I, you know, that's, that's not me. I'm, I'm, I'm better than that. I, I don't, I don't need to change. Well, the reality is we all need to change, right? We all, we all have things that we can always improve on. Nobody, nobody is perfect. Mm -hmm. And so, and nobody knows it all. And so it's one of these things that you've got to be open. You've got to be open to that possibility that you could be, you know, the problem in, in this mirror concept and that you might have to change. Like there's some things that you might need to change and that's okay because you have to realize that to grow and develop and continue to rise higher than your previous self, there's going to be some change that's got to take place. It doesn't, you don't just continue to grow and excel and do more and be more just because you think you should. 
there's growth that comes. There's, there's change that takes place, you know, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually through that in order to continue to grow and excel. And so, you know, the mirror, the mirror is a big one um, that, that I think if you implement it, and you look at it objectively, uh, it, it can be transformational, instantly transformational, because you will start to see things in a different light than you've ever seen them before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so, so the mirror, that's, that's a, that's a big one. The, the next one that I would, the next one that I'd recommend is um, this, this idea of controlling, controlling what you can control. And, and that's a, that sounds very broad. Um, but it's, it's actually very, it's very focused because the reality is as a leader, right. In any organization, you oftentimes when you, you know, when you get to work, you have this plan of, okay, these are the things I'm, you know, these are things I'm going to do today. And you get the whirlwind of 25 people coming and asking you all these random questions, right. That, probably don't pertain to what you're trying to accomplish. Most of them probably don't even pertain to a question that you should be answering in your leadership role. Like there's probably other leaders that they should be going to, to asking, you know, asking these questions or even better, you know, finding the answer for themselves rather than asking for an answer. Mm -hmm. Um, And we get sidetracked. And so I teach heavily in my leadership training, focusing on, focus on the things that, that you can control. And so, and, and I teach this through, we have, we have something we're trying to accomplish. We have a goal we're trying to reach. So we know when we know what that is, we narrow down, we, we, we reverse engineer it to what is the one thing, what is the one thing that I can do every day that will control, will control and determine my outcome. And in every single industry, there absolutely is one thing that you can focus on that will drive and yield you the greatest results. And so for me, you know, as, as I, through all of my years of experience, when it comes to culture, right, I'm going to lean on culture here for a minute. When, mm-hmm. when it comes to developing a, a culture, there is nothing, there is nothing greater that you can do with your time then pour into your people and you pour into your people in the form of, you know, one-on-ones, um, you know, conversations, just conversing with people and getting to know them, like letting people know that you care that, you know, you're not, you're not a hundred percent business all the time. Yes. We need to talk about, you know, key metrics that we are, either on point with off point with, you know, things that we're doing well, things that we need to improve on. Like we've got to have those conversations, but more importantly, the most crucial conversations we can have are these, these conversations with our people, Mm -hmm. understanding our people, what drives our people, what motivates our people. And oftentimes we don't put precedence on that. We don't put priority on, having those conversations because we have so much other stuff to do when the reality is when you focus, when you focus on the key things that will actually drive your business, the numbers take care of themselves. So 
I, in my business, I, I converse on numbers and metrics of what we're doing maybe twice a week at best for 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. The rest of my time, literally the rest of my time, I spend developing my people, talking to my people, having simple conversations like this, teaching them, you know, teaching them something new, coaching them in something they're struggling with, right? Like it's, it's pouring into our people and putting the focus and time and energy there. And you, as you do that, it's not only amazing how fast your people develop, but they also inherently become extremely loyal to you and your business because they know you care. Mm -hmm. They know that you have their best interest in mind in whatever, whether it's an easy conversation or hard conversation you've got to have, right? They know that you're, you're, you're coming to them from a place of love and support and you want to help them. And through conversing continually, not just like once a day, like many conversations with all your people as often as you can will completely transform your culture completely transform your culture. So everything that you're sharing here, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, we've all heard it, but we're not, we're not digesting it. You know, like everyone knows eat healthy, do your exercise, but how many people are actually, you know, at the gym doing what they need to do. And that's what you're talking about. You're like, if you want to get results, let's do this. Let's get serious about this. And I love it. I love it. It's so So that, that takes me, that leads me right into, that leads me right into my next, my next recommendation. And that is understanding choice. Okay. Okay. So we all heard these things, right? Like you just pointed out, we've all heard these things. We've, we know these, like most of us know these things. Uh huh. Is doing it or not doing it a choice? See, I always learned that, you know, if, if it's a want, then you won't do it. If it's a need, that's when you'll take action. <laughs> yeah, but let's, let's take, let's take want and need off the table is if you know something, if somebody knows something and they, if they know that, if they know that, um, not eating sugar will help them lose weight or, you know, let's say it's somebody who's got, uh, somebody who's, I don't know, um, they've got, they've got some intolerance or something, right? You, you know, you know, that if you, you know, if you drink milk, it's going to be a stomach ache or if right, you, right, right. You know, if you eat cheese, it's going to make you bloated or, you know, not eating carbs is healthy for your type, your body type, like whatever it is. Let's say, you know, something and you continue, you continue to do it, even though, you know, it's probably not the best thing for you. Are you, is that a, are you doing it just to do it? Or is that a choice? Like, is that a choice that somebody is making to do that thing? Oh yeah. Okay. Interesting. I personally believe that it is, but sometimes we don't make it consciously. We, you know, we, we allow our subconscious to make the choice, but it's still us. It's still our brain. It's still us making that choice. And that's where the power, that's where the power of focusing on what you want comes into play. Because again, energy flows where focus goes. When you're focused, when you're focused on something 
you it's at the forefront of your mind and you will then make a different choice. Like you'll make the choice you want to make the, the thing that the thing that change that's, that's hard for a lot of people. And you've brought it up a couple times is, you know, we all, we all see things differently, differently, right? We all right, have right. our own model of the world and we all have our own lens in which we see the world. And we have developed our model of the world in this lens that we see through our experiences, through our life, through all the things that have taken place since the time we were born until now. And through all these things, we've developed our model of the world. And sometimes our model of the world is skewed. Sometimes we have distorted and deleted very pertinent information that would help us make a different choice because at the time it happened, the good information that we received, we weren't ready to accept. And so our subconscious automatically just distorted it and deleted it. Mm-hmm. And we have, so we've developed this model of the world and understanding that and understanding that every single thing, every single thing that we do is a choice. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's whether consciously or unconsciously, it's a choice. And it's catching the times when you're making unconscious choices. And this is where, this is where, you know, the neuro-linguistic programming comes comes into play Uh is understanding how to reprogram your mind to where you train your subconscious to make the choice, the best choice that is for you, like the best choice that you could make in every single situation, you train your subconscious to automatically go to that choice over anything else so that over time. And and it's through focusing on what you want, right? Like you focus on what you want. And because that's on the stage of your mind, it's going to project itself into your life. You focus on what you want. You start to achieve what you want. You start to get different results than you've ever had. And the more you do that, the stronger your subconscious becomes and the more aligned you're getting your, your subconscious is getting stronger, but you're actually in the, in all reality, you're actually becoming more aligned mm-hmm. with your true self. So your, your conscious and unconscious are becoming aligned to where your unconscious will automatically just start making these decisions and you don't have to, you, you don't have to think about it as much. And that's when, that's when real results start to take place because you're so focused all the time. You've trained your mind to be so focused all the time on what you want that it just happens. You you don't even hardly have to think about it. Like I want, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds by September 1st and by August 25th, you're down 25 pounds, right? Like you just, your, your subconscious just starts to make positive choices, the choices Mm -hmm. that you want to make, but that sometimes due to our model of the world and and how we view things, we sometimes make less than quality choices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's seeing that, understanding that, and being able to course correct and adjust those, right? Which is this, I goes back to this idea of, you know, looking in the mirror and, and realizing that everything that you have in your life is through choices you've made good, bad, or indifferent. Everything that has happened 
or that you have in your life has come through choices you've made. And I could walk anybody back through any of that, like any, whether it's, whether it, let's take a negative, you know, something negative that took place. It, it has been brought about because of choices, various, probably not just one, probably many choices, poor choices that were made that led to a specific result. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that this is a concept that oftentimes people struggle with understand with not understanding, willing to accept, right. Willing to accept this idea that, okay, I really, I really do have total control of my life because everything I do is a choice and it's choosing, it's choosing what's best, right. It's, you know, as a leader, it's understanding that, you know, when somebody, when, when a situation happens, you have a choice in that moment to let's say, uh, let's say somebody made a mistake and it costed the company Mm $5,000. Okay. In, in that moment, you have a choice. You can fly off the handle and be completely unreasonable and look like a total buffoon, or you can be calm and collected, learn from it, teach from it, coach from it, and then implement a process that will mitigate that from ever happening again. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, which of in that specific situation, which of those two scenarios is better? Right. 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 It's, and it's, it's understanding that. And so choice, choice is a choice is a huge one. Understanding the power of choice and that everything is a choice um, is, is, is another one that I, I would, I would absolutely recommend implementing and looking at everything like as you go through your day being cognizant of the choices that you're making and if you don't feel like well i you know that's not really a choice ask yourself why is that not a choice Mm -hmm. by me doing this or me saying this or me doing that or this like how how is me doing that not a choice right like i'm and, and walking yourself back to understand why it is a choice and, and how it's a choice. Cause everything is a choice. Yeah. Literally everything. Yeah. Wow. Tons of great information. I love it. In fact, I I'm looking at this and I'm thinking we could just keep going and going and <laughs> we really should. And you know, like, like you said, we're going to do some follow-ups here. Yes. Uh, thank you so much. If you guys want to be able to reach out directly to Sonny, we are going to put his contact information in the description on this episode. So you'll be able to check that out, reach out to Sonny and uh, learn more about his program and what he puts together. But Sonny, thank you so much for coming out today. We'll talk soon. Okay, sounds good. We'll talk soon. Okay, take care. Bye. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.